Thank you, Brother Clay and Miss Alana for leading us in worship this evening. If you will, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 in our study of the, of the book of the, or the letter to the Thessalonians there, written by Paul. We get to chapter 2 and we're starting in verse 13 tonight. And the title of the message tonight is The Crown. The crown. At the top of my Bible, it's got, you know, the subheadings that are up there. And what it says is, you are our crown of rejoicing. So we're looking at a couple of different groups of people here. As Paul's writing this letter, this, this epistle to the church, he's describing a few things here and, and giving them encouragement, giving them uh, praise, and, and uh, patting them on the back as it would be uh, so as we get to this passage of scripture tonight, let's begin by reading the words and reading the word, and then we will back up and look at each, each section. So starting in verse 13, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea, in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So, as always, to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time, in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For you are our glory and joy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what a blessing you are to us, and I thank you for the time we've been able to spend with you today, worshiping, praising, uh, spending in, it, in your word and in prayer. I thank you, Father, for what's coming up as we go to our Bible studies again. But, Father, right now, help us to see this passage of Scripture and how it relates to us. Help us to, to long for the crown of rejoicing. So, Lord, as we study this, open our minds. Help our hearts to receive it. And, Father, help us to long for you with everything that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. The crown. That's what I wanted to talk about tonight. But as we're going to end up there, all right? But first, we've got to go back and look at a couple of other things that, that Paul is talking about here. So beginning in verse 13 and 14, we're going to look at the receivers and the imitators. Because Paul, as he's writing this to the Thessalonians, he's still in, in a sense, he's still in a greeting process as he uh, begins the letter. Now, he's getting toward the meat or the, the main uh, uh, composition of the letter. But in this... He says, uh, verse 13, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, that you welcomed it, 
not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. They were receivers and then imitators. First of all, they received the word of God. They welcomed it, uh, not uh, as word from men, as some things are. It wasn't a man's opinion. It wasn't a man's uh, speaking or his eloquence or anything of that sort. Whenever the word of God comes in, it doesn't matter who it is issuing the word of God. The word of God is still the word of God. So as the word came... Paul says, what you did was receive it the way that it's supposed to be received as the Word of God, which it is in truth. He said, you welcomed it, not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God. Now, sometimes uh, mankind will look at us and they will say, well, you're following a, a book that was written 2,000 years ago that was written by men. Well, sure it was. It was written by men, but it was written by men who heard from God, and God told them what to write, and they wrote that. Now, but they don't want to see the divine product. So they've got their mind set against the Word of God, so they say, they claim that it's a, a Word of man and not a Word of God, and they've got it completely wrong. What they've got is a hard head, and what they've got is unseeing eyes, because they will not see, they choose not to see, that it is the Word of God. The proofs are there if they would receive it, just like the Thessalonians did. They received it, understanding and knowing, hey, this is not just something that this guy is saying to us. Paul came and, and is preaching the gospel, but God sent him with these words for us. So they welcomed the word of God. And then in verse 14, uh, he said, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen just as they did from the Judeans. You see, the believers in Judah uh, or in Jerusalem, whenever they accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior, they had the the Pharisees and Sadducees to deal with. They, they thought, or, or their old religious mindset was that, no, you just got to obey the law, and you've got to be circumcised to be okay with God. And if you go into this other new sect that they called the, the believers, the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, they said, if you go into that way, you are against God. They wouldn't open their mind. They wouldn't open the, their, the possibility for God to, to do something different in their time. They had made up their minds, hardened their hearts and hardened their heads, stiffed their necks, like it says in the Old Testament, and they would not see God doing something in their time. But here's a phrase that I don't want us to miss or uh, jump over. It's in the last part of verse 13. The church was being persecuted, true enough. Uh, those that were Jews and those that were Gentiles, but here's the part that I wanted to look at, talking about the Word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. You see, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God is going to get in somewhere, somehow, sometime, and it's going to change you. It's going it's to, if you are at all open to what the Lord wants for you to do, then He's going to speak to you through someone 
to show you what he wants you to do. The, if the word of God works its way in so that it will be effective, you know the passage of scripture says that God's word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. So as we look at these believers and the letter that Paul wrote to them, he says to them, you first received the word the way that it was supposed to be received. The word has effectively worked in you and you have become imitators of those who are seeking to imitate Christ. Not that they were imitating people, they were imitating Christ. All of them were seeking to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, they were persecuted by those who would not open their eyes. Now, going into verses 15 and 16, the first group that we looked at was the receivers and the imitators, and now the killers and the persecutors are uh, uh, described. In verse 15, for uh, talking about the Judeans who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. So the first thing that he says, he says, these are the same people that crucified Jesus. These are the same ones who, re who rejected the word of God in the person of Jesus Christ. They rejected Jesus, but they also killed, they, from the lines back, for, or from years back, they killed the prophets also. And not only that, they are persecuting the church that has risen up to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, there, there's always going to be those who will not see the truth. It's not that God doesn't love them, God loves them. He wants them to know the truth, and He has brought the church into being to be the light uh, in our world. But there are those who choose darkness over the light. So Paul says, these people killed the Lord Jesus Christ, their own prophets, and are persecuting the church. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Not only is it that they are um, they're trying to build their own kingdom up, but they stand against anybody else trying to build another kingdom. Have you ever noticed that about, about people? If, if, they're, if they are self-centered, they can't stand anybody else receiving any more praise or glory. Uh, they want to tear their kingdom down and build themselves up. See, that's exactly what was going on right here. They said, this church, this, these followers, this, they called it a cult. You know, you're following this guy who, who died. And they said, there's no way that we're going to join that because we are better than that. So they were contrary to God and contrary to all men. And then verse 16 is that they forbid us to speak to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. The Gentile people didn't want the word of God coming in. The Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders of the Judeans, they didn't want the word of God coming in. They thought they had it under control in a, in a box. And they said, no, no more. But uh, this is what Paul says. So as always, to fill up the measure of their sin. He's saying these guys, the killers and the persecutors, they are filling up God's cup of wrath for themselves. Now, um, in, in the, the end of that verse, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. It's our prayer that those in our realm of influence, before they fill the cup all the way up and it begins to spill over 
and God requires of them the penalty for their sins, we're hoping that they are forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ, that they accept Christ as Lord and Savior so that their sins can be taken away before the wrath of God is poured out on them. That's our purpose as a church, as, as believers. We are to, to bring the Lord Jesus Christ to them so that they see, hey, my cup is about to be filled up and the wrath is going to be poured out on me. I need a Savior. And I need Jesus. Now in the, the last couple of verses, or verses 17, 18, and 19, there are the workers and the rejoicers. And these are the same groups of people, the same ones. They, they've just got different names. Verse 17, But we, brethren, have been taking away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Paul, Paul is saying, look, we're trying to come to you. We've been prevented from coming to you. We were taken away from you uh, in physical presence, but not in our spiritual connection. We pray for you all the time. We, we're endeavoring, we're working hard to come back and be before you face to face. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy? or crown of rejoicing. Paul was setting the stage for when he was able to come to the church, to the Thessalonians, and say, hey, here we are to benefit you. Here we are to build you up, to encourage you, to strengthen you. He says, when we get together, it's going to be a time of rejoicing. Because so far, Satan has hindered us from doing that. But one of these days, God's going to open the door, we're going to walk through it, and we're going to be rejoicing with you together in the same place, strengthening you, uh, encouraging you, making sure that you have what you need in order to further the kingdom of God there. And now, Paul goes in verse 19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you? in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming, for you are our glory and joy. The last thing that I wanted to talk to you was about the crown. This crown of rejoicing. You know, many years I have thought about, I've heard people preach about the crowns that you're going to receive in glory and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, in my mind, the, the kind of the way that I've thought about that is a a literal, physical crown. But I, I'm starting to, to see something a little bit different in that. Because it's not about the physical piece of gold or whatever it may be made out of that would be given to us. Uh, and by the way, whatever crown we're given, you know, when we get before the, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to lay it right back down at His feet because we don't deserve it. We're going to give it back to Him because everything that happens, every, every reward that we receive is because of what He has done in us, not that what, what we have done. But here's the, here's the idea that I get from this. Paul says, what is our hope? What is our joy? What is our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For you are our glory and joy. What I see is this. Imagine, I don't know, a football game. 
and then the team is out there on the field and there's a miraculous play in the last few seconds where the underdog team has the ball and makes a play to score the points needed to win the game. What does the team on the sideline do? They run out there. They're, they run out they run out on the field and they gather around the one, the one who made the play or was in the right place at the right time and did the right thing and, and scored the points to win the game. And they will usually lift that person up or gather around that person and, and congratulate him on the job well done. Imagine standing in the presence of Jesus for just a moment and all those that you have influenced for the Lord Jesus Christ for the good gather around you and say thank you for what you've done for me. They gather around you like a crown and say because of you I met him. And then the Lord Jesus says because of you they're all here because of the influence that you had on them. The crown of rejoicing. Everybody together in that group, rejoicing that everybody together in that group knows the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no crown that you can put on your head that will mean more than that. This week going out, tonight, think about how big your crown will be Think about the group that you might have influenced for good or bad and ask the Lord to increase that influence so that your crown of rejoicing will grow and have new jewels put in it every week, every day. And ask the Lord to be a faithful servant because that's the only crown that's going to matter. There are no jewels. There is no precious metal that's worth more than someone's soul for all eternity. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and King, thank you so much for the opportunity to be yours, to be called a child of the King, to seek to bring the knowledge of you to others, to honor you and glorify you in their presence. And Lord, pray for them to understand and receive the truth that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, tonight we want to lift you up. Hear our hearts and know us as we do that. And give us the strength to be obedient in everything that you tell us to do and in every step in which you seek to lead us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.